I want more badass women. I want more women in leadership positions. Let's so this go. stuff doesn't happen because it's bullshit. I don't know if we can say that on this podcast. You can. You can because yeah, it is. We're real. It's real. I love it. Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business. Your business. Okay, so on today's episode, we're talking about what everybody else is talking about. Ukraine, the war, how does it affect us? Are there players overseas? Yes, there are. We're going to unpack all of that. We're also going to tap in with Haley Rosen, the founder, CEO of Just Women Sports. What's Just Women Sports? Exactly what it says. Only about Just Women Sports. Imagine that. Then we're tapping in with Davida Roach. Her whole life changed when her sister was a victim of domestic violence. And it's always interesting for me to see when people have a life-altering situation happen, how that develops a passion. Dear Deandra is that passion, and we're going to tap into that. And then you can get with this, or you can get with that. We're going to bring a little this or that with the fam. Right now, let's get it. My fellow MoCo fam, I'm Renee Montgomery, and this is my first State of the Union address. So let's get started with the WNBA and the situations going on around player lifestyle. Coming from me, everyone knows I was a player for 11 years, so I understand that player lifestyle, you feel good, you look good, you play good. I understand that that's a thing that it's a real reality. And of course, we want the players to have the best luxuries and have the most things that they can with the Atlanta Dream. That's our main focus right now. Can you break the CBA to provide those luxuries? No. But do we want those luxuries for the player? Of course. Look, I'm always going to be a player and come from that player perspective. And we want the players to feel as great as they can to play as best as they can. Then there's the war going on in Ukraine. As we know, there's players in Ukraine and there's also just a lot of heartache. And it's been so hard to watch live, the war live on social media, the firsthand accounts, the people's stories. You know, I got to talk to a Ukrainian civilian who was able to cross the border and he talked about how that experience will affect him for the rest of his life, no matter what happens after this. Yes, he's there safely and that's a blessing, but this war and what's going on right now affects people forever. And then there's the March Madness. The NCAA committee has been working very hard to make sure that the March Madness experience is the same for the men and the women's side. And as we've seen in the past, that's going to be very important. We now know the March Madness slang or logo can be used for the men and women's side, which is exciting. And on the men's side, there's about 10 teams that could win the championship. So the Cinderella effect will be in full effect in March on the men's side and on the women's side. I don't know, but Dawn Staley got the South Carolina Gamecocks looking amazing. I'm always going to be pulling for my UConn Huskies because I bleed blue. Now, it's Women's Month, and we're starting out Women's Month with a Supreme Court justice nominee who could be our first black woman to sit on the Supreme Court. Katanji Brown Jackson out of Miami. We are you, we see you, and we salute you because of what you're doing and the difference in the representation that you are going to make. And I mentioned that this is my first State of the Union, but it's not going to be my last because when there's a lot of topics going on and a lot of different issues going on like there is right now, we're just going to address them at the top of the show. And it's going to be for you, MoCo fam. So may God bless you. May God bless America and prayers to Ukraine.
With the onset of the bombing in Ukraine, with basically the war starting in Ukraine, I remember watching CNN Live and I'm trying to fall asleep and I'm looking at what is going on because they're breaking news. This Don Lemon, this breaking news, this. I see one of the Ukraine international airports gets bombed, goes up in flames. And then another breaking news 30 minutes later, I hear another airport goes up. And then before I fell asleep, there were three airports that had been attacked in Ukraine. So it went from we heard that there was not going to be a war. There was not going to be an attack on Ukraine to I was falling asleep to bombing. And it wasn't just that there were air sirens going on a lot of different things there was an invasion you know like and if people don't know that was another thing that happened was we learned that belarus was also joining russia in the invasion and so it was troubling i i mean i don't know i i know that people heard putin's threat where he said anybody that tries to go against him while he's doing this invasion will suffer like your country has never felt before that scared me i'm just being honest that scared me and something else that to to bring up is that in russia right now there's WNBA players playing there arike agumba wale's playing there she put a tweet out that said these breaking news posts hit a little different when you're currently living in russia and then John Quill Jones, who's also there, said, look, there's no changes on my end. If it wasn't for my family members messaging me and, and me following the news, I really wouldn't be able to tell that this was all going on. So then that's interesting, because if you think about it, yeah, they're actually living in Russia. So Russia's not being invaded. Russia's the one that's the aggressor. We're going to bring it to the pod to talk about it, because there's a lot going on right now. Uh, yeah, war's never fun. It's always very scary because retaliation is real. It does happen, especially with someone who, number one, has the stretch to be able to retaliate and also who does not care about what causes or what consequences come after his retaliation. So it's not good for his country. It is not Oof. good for the rest of the world as well. So I would I would definitely say war is, is bad for everyone in this situation. Uh, I'm real melancholy about this because it takes me back to a time when Renee was overseas playing and uh, she was in Israel and there was a lot of bombing and there was a lot of war going on. It was war-torn country. And uh, I, I don't know if it affected her like it did us, but whenever we spoke with her on the phone, we could always hear that siren going off. And I would say, Renee, what's going on? She said, oh, that's the bomb siren, but it's far away. And my thing was, well, it's not far enough away for me because if you can hear it, it's too close. Yeah, absolutely. So at any rate, uh, I really felt bad. And I can remember even uh, down to the time she used to tell me about her little adventures down to the bomb shelter in the bottom of their building. And there was a little boy or something down there. And she would say, oh, I don't know any of these people down here. She would be talking to me on the phone just to try to remain calm, I guess, you know, in that situation. I guess the final thing I'll say about those bombing sirens is that Renee was getting ready to come home and we were all excited. Yeah, you know, she's getting out of there. We don't have to listen to that siren anymore. And she calls me and she says, guess what? I'm still in the building. And I said, oh, Renee, shouldn't you be going to the airport? She says, I can't leave. And I could hear the, the sirens were really 
really close and she was down in the shelter and she was telling me that she didn't know whether she was going to be able to make her flight or not. And my stomach was just tied in knots. I couldn't do anything. Yeah, man. I mean, it was you crazy. Know, you just think about it. You know, can she get out of there or not? You know, that's the only thing. I was, Oh, my God, is she going to be able to get out of there? And I prayed about it. I prayed hard. Dad, everybody was praying. And when she called and told me that she was on the plane, oh, you don't yes. know what a, a thing of relief came over that she was actually getting out of there. It's crazy because when I see the tweets and even John Quell Jones's tweet, she said, if it wasn't for my family members messaging me and me following the news, I really wouldn't be able to tell. I want people to really get into sports because so Snook, like she mentioned, whenever she would call me, she would like my family would be alarmed. Like, as you can hear from her, they would be alarmed. We're still practicing. We're still having games. We actually this is interesting. So Snook kind of fast forwarded to the end. But there were a lot of. I would say things going on. And so we had to leave. So we did have to shelter in place and different things like that. They had basically given us a choice in a sense of, do you want to stay? We were in the championship. So here's, here's the real problem. My team made the championship. And so a lot of the other teams had already gotten able to go home because this is the playoffs. When you lose, you go home. And if you're playing in Israel, that literally means leave the country. Well, our team that year made the championship. And so since we made the championship, it was a decision like, you know, you played the whole year. Are we going to leave before we play the championship round? And so we chose uh, like, you know, I chose to stay, which, again, my family wasn't necessarily happy because you could already (laughs) you could already hear the sirens on a normal basis Um, when they actually started to bomb Ashdod. And that's where I was playing for at the time. We had to move. So my team came to us and they were like, all right, pack up all your stuff. Since we're going to be in the championship game, you know, we're going to move you guys to Tel Aviv so that you can live in a hotel in Tel Aviv, finish out the season, whatever, whatever. And now I'm mad because after all of that, we stayed. There were bombs that hit. Everybody was okay. It, um, you know, and even still, when you're not in the situation, it really does feel more dangerous than if you are in it. I don't know why, but the people around me were acting like, and again, this is, they probably didn't want us to go home because they wanted us to play in the championship game, but the people around us were acting like it wasn't that big of a deal. So then I'm talking to my family. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. And it's, it's far away. Like Snook said, and Snook would be like, but why can I hear the sirens if it's so far away? And I'm like, no, they told us it's good. It's no problem. <laughs> but I feel like it's probably the same way right now going on in, in Russia. I mean, you can hear from John Quell Jones's tweet that it kind of is that same case. It hits a little different when it hits home, you know, it hits it hits differently. Like when people watch it in the news or something, it's like they think that, oh, that's going on over there. That's not going to affect us over here. But then just even listening to, you know, Snook even tell the stories of, uh, you know, it turns my stomach, you know, it still does. It makes my heart jump just thinking about, you know, you being in that scene with, with those bombings. It's like, you know, some people don't, don't necessarily like personalize those experiences like that or realize the intensity of the situation until it hits home and I feel like a lot of people in America you know we are you know I I have family overseas so you know when when the news is different over there so I feel like in America you know is is a little bit different we feel like you know we only hear like American news and we only think that the things going on over here only affect us but we need to realize that things over there could definitely affect us over here too and we need to take it a little bit more serious it makes me understand about PTSD too because uh 
that sound when I heard it when the war started, it made my stomach turn. It took me right back to the time when I used to hear those sounds uh, when Renee was on the phone. So I can see where a sound or something could trigger uh, an emotional response, you know, years down the road. And I remember calling Renee and saying, what? Are you at the embassy? Aren't you supposed to be at the embassy? She's like, no, no, I'm not. She's like, no, we have practice. I'm like, why is that important at this moment? And then I would call her again. I'm like, okay, so y'all have left now, right? Because I hear hear it's like, (laughs) this really happened too. And she's like, they were blowing me up. Oh my God. And then I said, well, Renee, when are they going to get y'all out of there? Because like, how how much longer is this? She's like, we got the championship game. We could have went home, but we all decided to stay. I got off the phone that, but I said, this girl. Decided to stay for the championship game. Listen. And then meanwhile, she's waiting for people to tell her that whether she has to go to the embassy or they're going to be going here. or they have, yeah. I mean, I was like, how can you even play the game with the thought process of, okay, we're here in Cyrus. Okay, well, they are, they're close now. So we're going to move you somewhere else mm. so you can continue to play. I'll be like. And you want to know something that's, that's crazy for you. Exactly. Yeah. Because I was going to say, it wasn't like we was playing against ourselves. So it was me, some other other Americans on our team as well as obviously our Israeli teammates and we were playing against a whole nother team and oh my gosh you know what's crazy now that I'm thinking about it I'm pretty sure the team we were playing in the championship game was Tunisia Wright's team our head coach now for the wow. Atlanta Dream I'm pretty sure now that I think about that me and her have birthdays around the same time so we actually celebrated our birthday together in Israel that year and I actually think that we were playing against Tunisia Wright's team I'm I'm going to have to ask her about that. But yeah, so meanwhile, my family's calling me, blowing me up. And hindsight is 2020, as everybody knows, because as I'm sitting here saying it out, like everything they're saying is right. Like, why would we be practicing when we're getting bombed in our city? Or why would we stay in a country just to win a championship and get our bonus and all of that? Like, why would we really do that when there's a whole real civil unrest going on out there? But that's sports and our coaches really expected us to perform like I can remember our coaches you know in the locker room saying the typical things that coaches always say when you're on the court be on the court don't let the outside get inside you know like right now let this be your refuge don't let any distractions (laughs) get to you you know what this is your safe place this is where you are your most comfortable so this is where you need to lock in you worked all season to get here don't let this moment slip away. This is your time. You know, like all of that was what they were preaching us. And I'm like, let's go. And there's a whole, there's a whole war and bombs going on over there. So as I'm in my older age and I'm more mature and I see what's going on on the outside, it like Serena, what she said, triggered my mind because sometimes when you're in the thick of things or when life is going so fast, you don't even realize the magnitude of what's going on. Like I'm really, I really am scared about, Putin and what he could do to retaliate. But when I was actually in Israel and I was in a city that was actually getting bombed, I was not concerned. You know, they say young and dumb ignorance is bliss. But boy, I hope I hope I hope I hope that things get better because now looking back, it is a blessing that we were okay. And also, Renee, looking back when they show the pictures of Moscow, it brings back memories of places you've traveled to all through Russia, played in Russia twice. And then also the people are escaping and trying to get to Poland. We had a wonderful time and stayed in Poland for a while. You played there. So, you know, and I see the pictures oh, or whatever. Yeah. And I say, oh, this brings back memories of uh, that I can pull up pictures from our trips over there to that uh, Soviet And that's a good point, Booker, because it's really crazy, because as we see this world news happening, 
I see places that I've lived before, like not just visited on a vacation. When when we go play overseas, we're there for six months at a time. Like so a half of our year is spent in another culture, in another country. Snook talked about I played for two different teams in, in Russia. I played in Russia for three and a half, four years. So I knew the culture well. I knew my teammates well, you know, like I knew I, I know a lot about there. So when I see that Russia is of being an aggressor and invading, I think about my teammates over there too. I think about, you know, I played in Poland as Snook talked about. I have friends over there. I have teammates over there. I have coaches over there. I think about those things. Poland is now, you know, a refuge for people trying to escape as Snook talked about. But it's crazy when you think about sports and we talk about sports connecting everything. Well, just me playing basketball has connected to me to so many different cultures across the world that when world news is happening, I feel connected. I feel like I understand what's going on and I understand the psyche. So I always talk about traveling and sports and entertainment connects people. And so I just hope that now that we have social media and we can see firsthand accounts of what's going on with people. I mean, I've been seeing tweets. It's devastating. I've been seeing dads send messages to their daughters on their phone so they can keep it forever because Ukrainian dads, any man from 18 to 60 is being recruited to now fight the war. So families are just being broken up and I'm watching it live on social media. That's why we're bringing it to the pod here because what we're seeing on social media is world news and it's happening in real time. And so, you know, we need to just all stay informed and all stay connected. There's a couple of things that when you say things like that, see, as far as the news, I remember watching the, you know, the Gulf War and all that. We were watching that on TV and it was all like watered down as far as ABC, NBC. You really didn't see what they didn't want you to see. And so when you actually have the ability now to just show everything that's not being seen, like, you know, there's no filters. They haven't cut anybody out. They're not bleeping. You know, you actually can see, you hear the emotion behind the people who are actually recording it. I said it makes it, it makes a very different feel for it because I even remember watching on TV and I knew the war was bad and I we saw the little lights where they were shooting stuff but we never saw the people really you really didn't see like the people and you didn't see see, firsthand examples yes and then the thing was even when they did have people over there as far as the reporters you can tell they even say okay we can't show that let's so let's you know it was even there how they felt about what they should and should not show so they knew that what would make TV and what would not make TV so I think that now we're seeing parts that we never it makes it more devastating and more real that this is really not war it's just not something for us to be able to you know say oh we love our vets you see what our vets are going to go through so I think that that's another part of it and then as far as you know the recruitment of people um 60 I mean, it's it's crazy because it's like, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying you should. I, I don't want none of them. The babies, I don't want anybody 18, none of them to be recruited. But the thing is, is can you imagine like your father is 55? He's probably on a couple of medications and you want him to go out Ugh. in a war, you know, and, and, and do what at this point? You know, my knees are getting bad. Right. Like so, getting close to retirement. You imagine like having to go yes, fight a or war. Actually, yeah. Or actually you not healthy even, you enough. You can't even run fast. You can't even run fast. Yeah. I mean, really. Knees you know, in the back. You're, you're knees and back limited. is done. You're very you know what I'm saying? What you do. Lifting weights. You know, that stuff takes endurance. And, and just not to, to know, mention, by the way, that Russia and Belarus has been training. So it's, you're not, it's not even like you're going civilian against civilian. 
it's like you're going against prepared people that have tactics that have been training that are ready for this and then they're just handing out guns to civilians and telling them you know good luck it's devastating like i saw i saw so many dads leaving their daughters and their sons on social media i can't stop scrolling because it's like i can't believe what we're watching this is real it's is real. This real is this real like i it, mean and, and you yes, see it live yes, on twitter yes. live yeah, yeah. It's, it's terrible. You know, and and I've been posting in our family chat. I love the song back in the day. You know, the, I'm from the Vietnam War era <laughs> and uh, War by Edwin Starr. And I think the lyrics to that song pretty much say it all. If you just go through there, it just is pertinent and relevant back in the day. And it's still timeless today. Unfortunately, it's timeless. Unfortunately, yeah, that's but you know, what I was going to say sports also, you know, back in the day, like in Vietnam and all those, that's what a lot of the women's leagues popped up in our country because what happened was all the men were at war and because sports was also something that brought people together that's when you saw women's baseball leagues and that's a when league you saw of their other, own? yeah things started happening for women as far as sports and and they were shocked that women could do what they could do but if you think about sports even with the fights if you think about like uh, Muhammad Ali and all them yeah you know people were that was what they had and that's so people still clung to was clinging to sports because everything else was so terrible everything was so, so bad but that was the one bright moment where everybody could cheer for the same person be on the same team had the same feeling so I mean I think it's always been especially in these situations the war and then you know people cling to sports and say okay well this is the only thing we got so I think it's still happening you playing the game I didn't think it, I thought that was crazy and ridiculous I, I don't till this day you cannot convince me that you made the right decision but thank God fear, you know fearfully I you know was sitting there like I cannot believe Renee Shane was like Nicole she's not on the plane she, we were calling like every hour are you on the plane I don't know are what the they plane? expected the I plane? would literally be plane? like I'm heading to practice and I would get out of practice and have like a gazillion missed calls. Snook, Cole, Shay, just rotating in between. Even Diddy would sprinkle it in there and Diddy don't usually call like that. So mm-hmm. it was it was a lot going on. And so it's interesting because when we talk about we're watching it live in real time. And you know what's interesting? I don't know if you've heard this, Renee, when you were talking about you saw it live on TV where they're actually giving weapons to the citizens of the country to go out and, you know, take care of themselves and that 18 to 60 men. Well, evidently over there in their country, they're not giving them to 18 to 60 women. So, you know, over here, we've kind of got women involved in the army or whatever. But that was interesting to me that they're not giving any of those or or asking the women to help. I mean, we could probably do something, you know, Um, but over there, women aren't valued like that. Also overseas, it's a very patriarchal society in a sense of when I'm even over there, I I know that if you're a sports fan, a women's basketball fan, I'm sure you've heard stories of players maybe getting into it with their coaches or other people in the organization, because a lot of times we're not used to being talked to, how you get talked to overseas in certain countries. And so when people say things to you a certain way overseas, it's like, I know that's normal in their culture, but you have to like catch yourself for a second to be like, I'm sorry, say what? Like, excuse me. So I can, I'm not even almost surprised that they don't give the guns to women because in their, like, 
there's there's growth that needs to be done in everywhere, not even just in Don't Europe. Don't we need protection too? The men <laughs> out there, we we at home, you know, we need some protection too. Listen, <laughs> this is scary. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if yeah. I want them to hand me a AK a, a rifle. I don't. I, need I want to, them to hand me one. <laughs> yeah, hand me one. Because the thing is, is that now we at home, wide open. Well, oh, well, that's if that's the case, if I'm they're not handing the people sitting at home one, they're handing them one and pushing them to the front lines. I know that's my whole point. So once if you get past, <laughs> you're not going to get, get past, one if you chilling at home. Cole. No, but the thing is, is that once they get past some 60 year old men, where do you think they going? <laughs> well, they going into the cities. They going into the towns. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's the thought process is like, OK, I get it. They're supposed to be out there helping us. But what if they get through? Evidently, you're not in the best fighting condition if you have to recruit 60 year olds. So I just want to say if they get if through, war, you know, go to spoil. Yeah. So the people who are invading, you know, they don't have any scruples. They might, you know, decide they're missing their wife. And so they're going to go into a village and, you know, and take someone's 16, 18 year old daughter. What you going to do about it? You know you what need, I mean? We need protection. You know, there's too. a lot of things that, you know, you, you have to look at when war, you know, invades your country. Yeah, definitely. So since this is bring it to the pod. I'm going to end with a real tweet that I could not believe was a real tweet at username at Ukraine is verified. It is the whole country's Twitter account. They tweeted the world and said, tag at Russia and tell them what you think about them. So I just want y'all to know how far we've come. The actual country of Ukraine tweeted out for all of us to tag at Russia, the country of Russia, and tell them what we think about them. That sounds like somebody invaded their social media or something. Like, what in the world? I couldn't believe it was a real tweet. They have lost their mind. If they think, and if you put your name out there, whatever happens to you <laughs> the oligarchs will be at your door no, tomorrow listen listen you know you know they we've heard some stories go ahead go ahead tweet back go ahead tweet back do and tell you, them what you think about them are you do crazy you think that russia cares about our tweets biden right. is like, freezing assets freezing banks freezing everything and russia hasn't bad an eye i can't believe that the at ukraine account is tweeting through it this is the definition of tweeting through it they want us to basically get onto Russia on Twitter and apply pressure. And honestly, we do know that Putin is concerned about perception, but I just don't know that the 16.5K retweets and the 33K quote tweets and the 133,000 likes, while it, that post did numbers, I don't know if Russia cares. That's all I'm just. Oh they don't care. Wait, first of all, forget if they care or don't Putin care. Putin is like shingles. He doesn't care. <laughs> okay. What does that even mean? <laughs> what did you bring out shingles? What does shingles have to do with this, Mom? What does shingles I'm this so is confused. Of, I, no, we, okay, so you just broke this up because I had something I was going to say, but <laughs> stop it. What are you going to say, Cole? I still don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's like shingles. It's like okay, shingles. So, it's a commercial. But my point is, is that I'm not saying that he, I mean, that he really cares about this, but there might be some petty people who are backing Russia in America who may care about that. 
Mm. And you you put your name out there can put you on a list that's very easy reaching in this country. So you like that who they be on this list. We we really suddenly you know people are seriously (laughs) seriously they they seriously Mm. we've heard where Russia has hacked people. Your whole phone everything you look up you on this list and everybody who's at then got hacked. Fact, and you Social know what? Media and is to done. that point, <laughs> and you look outside, and there's somebody in a little black no, car with dark, like uh, dark <laughs> parked outside your house all the time. Okay, yeah. now we've entered the men in black. But also to that, <laughs> to that point, though, it wasn't it on our last election when there was a lot of interference going on. Who was doing it on social media? So it was, it, it was it, somebody here in this country that was backing Russia. So my point is, is that you go ahead, put your at on there. And when they shut down all of your social media and all of your accounts, y'all thought it was funny. Y'all thought there was no reach and that he don't care. But there's people here in this America that might care. Don't think that we have no Russians here who don't support this decision. Well, honestly, <laughs> I have seen I've actually seen people out loud supporting Russia. Like I don't I like not even a secret. I've seen verified accounts because I saw something today that I don't I mean I just thought that when we talk about being patriotic we've seen so many conversations about even taking a knee is not patriotic so I was taken aback when I saw people outwardly supporting Russia and in, in general what is their their reasoning yeah, behind that like, like what makes them really? Hmm. Let me tell you right now, since it's bring it to the pod. So there was a tweet sent out from at Raw Story that said the GOP's Tommy Turberville said that Putin is invading Ukraine because he can't feed his people in a communist Russia. So there's actually real reasoning behind it. Jamel Hill has something to say about that. And she said, Alabama, I know somewhere there was someone who spent 10 hours a day sniffing glue that was better than this dummy. Like, really? A complete <laughs> buffoon. <laughs> now, that's Jamel, Jamel Hill. We're bringing it to the pod. Jamel. Okay. Oh, look, unbothered. I love her. Unbothered. <laughs> Bothered. I love it. She's unbothered. I love it. Yes. I love it. So, Cole, there's your answer. Coming up next, we have Haley Rosen, CEO and founder of Just Women's Sports. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With you being the founder and CEO of Just Women's Sports, which is an online platform dedicated exclusively to women's sports coverage all year round, I have to ask, just to start out, why just women? Considering women's sports only receives 4% of media coverage, why not men and women's sports? I mean, you just answered it right there. 
Um, you know, it's a couple of reasons. So the first is 4% of sports coverage dedicated to women's sports. It's like 1% of broadcast rights. There's just a total lack of coverage for this whole space, right? So really, you know, wanted to solve it. But, you know, I wanted to solve it because it was the world that I knew. You know, I played women's soccer and I had friends that played women's basketball and softball and track. And I wanted more of them and their stories. And that was the world I knew and the sports that I knew. And it was weird and odd to me that I couldn't follow along. And then I think the last thing that I sort of realized after jumping into this whole crazy media world was that there's just such a huge opportunity here. And you see, you know, the more mainstream platforms, they're really built around men's sports. You know, they build audiences that want the NFL, NBA, MLB, men's sports leagues. And the whole thing is just set up for men's sports to do really well. And so when women's sports are put on those channels and they don't do as well, that makes perfect sense to me. You know, if we put the NFL on just women's sports, it wouldn't do that well, even though the NFL is a really big market and opportunity. And so I felt like everything that was built, you know, for men's sports, we could go do that for women's sports. And men's sports is a pretty massive market. Like, let's go build yeah. that in women's <laughs> sports. Did you have any concerns about like starting your own company, being a CEO. I mean, you just jumped into being a CEO. Like, what was that like? I mean, you went from, you know, player, athlete to CEO. Young and dumb, you know? <laughs> um, honestly, like this was born, it was like a total like passion project. Like I had played sports my whole life. I had seen the momentum, you know, having played professional soccer in the U.S. and abroad, I was seeing that women's sports was building. There was this excitement and energy. And when I stopped playing sports and was on the outside looking in, it was like impossible for me to follow. And I'm curious if you had a similar experience too. Like, you know, we talked about that 4% number, just a total lack of coverage. And then as someone that was actively seeking out that content, you know, everything I was seeing was very, it was young, it was pink and glitter. It was focused on the lifestyle and what these athletes were wearing and eating. And I just was like, where are the sports, you know, like where are the highlights and the stats and who's at the top of the table. And so I jumped in to like solve that problem. And I don't think I thought about what it meant to start a company or be a CEO. Like I just was laser focused on solving that and then kind of figured out the rest as we went. <laughs> um, but I think what made me jump in was, uh, I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> I love that. That's usually when best ideas. Facts. That's when the best ideas come. But you're a Stanford alum. So, you know, you you are set above you that. We already know that's a good education that you received. And then you talked about it. You went on to play professionally in the U.S. and abroad. And when you retired, you went back to the Bay Area. And I read something that you said. You said you had a lot of peers who were working at tech startups. And you told Katie Couric on one of your interviews that through all of the chaos and the questions, of working at a startup, which was a virtual reality company, you realized that you were up for that task. So I'm curious, what about those startups did you learn during that period that made you think like, I can do this? You know, it's like, this is like kind of cheesy, but we say it all the time, especially in women's sports. Like if you see it, you can be it. And I think it was like the idea of starting a company seemed so huge and big. But when I joined Striver, we were 20 people. I don't know. We were small when I joined and I was seeing it, right? Like you're figuring out healthcare and payroll and then negotiating with customers. And like one day was like, we can barely, you know, get our accounting right. And then the next day was like FC Barcelona was like in the office. No, but you, you know what I mean? Like you can see basically something going from zero to one from like nothing to something. And I think seeing yeah. it made me be like, 
well, I feel like I could do that, you know, <laughs> but that was the first time I was like, okay, this is, this isn't like as daunting as maybe I thought it was. So it's about confidence is what you're saying. I think so. I think so. It's like, okay, <laughs> these guys can do it. Maybe, maybe I can do it. A hundred percent women's sports, a hundred percent of the time. So starting a company, you know, you saw that you could do it and maybe not be so easy, but we're currently building out our marketing department at RME here and it's exciting, scary all at once. And so you're ahead of me in the, in that space. So I'm curious cause there's a lot of people that are launching their own personal projects and their passion projects. So what, challenges did you not anticipate when you were starting up your company? Ooh, you're getting right to the core of it. How long do we have right now? <laughs> tell me everything. That's what I basically, I'm like, tell me everything I need to know. You know, I, I think like there's so many things, right. But I, I, I really think the biggest one and maybe it's unique to like being in women's sports or uh, we kind of talked about this on your other podcast, but when we were starting, it was early 2020 and people did not buy into women's sports. Like we were beating the drum saying like, look at the numbers, look at the attendance is up and viewership is up. And, um, you know, we'll just look at, look at this. And it was like, we had facts and data to back this up. And they were like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about this women's sports thing. So I think that for me, it continues to just be surprising. And I don't mean to sound like so like crazy about this, but it is surprising. People are really hesitant to bet on women. And like we say it, we hear it and we say it, but like it, it continues to surprise me, especially <laughs> women's sports where the numbers like continue to go up and continue to get better. And we have more data and we, you know, we have more sponsors and it's like, there's still such a hesitation. Like it, that part, it just continues to be mind boggling to me. Cause I'm also like, maybe even if you don't like women's sports, maybe even if you don't like sports, then you can't deny the numbers. Like we have facts to back this up. So um, I think that has been like my biggest surprise. And disappointing. <laughs> Super disappointing, <laughs> for disappointing. sure. Yeah. 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 And she's absolutely right. You're absolutely right about the bet on women. Like you hear that so much, but it's almost like, like people just say it at this point, but it's like you have to act on it too. And, and, and to your point on 2020, I feel like 2020 opened up a lot of people's eyes, including women's sports. So people started to see that viewership go up. So it's kind of like you were ahead of the game and you got right on it and you were telling everybody like, look, the women's sports is something to look at. It's something to invest in so you were ahead of the game so i commend you for that for sure no and i think too like the key word in that is like bet for me because we are also hesitant to invest in women but we're yep. really hesitant to bet on them and exactly. i you know when we were raising our seed round for just women's sports like we had revenue we had customers we had a full team we, we were like really far along not really far like that's dramatic we're very early stage <laughs> no you were good you had everything right. everyone yeah, else had is what you're trying to say i'm like i had seen other seed stage companies i'd seen founders at the seed stage and we were just i felt like much further ahead but we were still you know we want to see you get a little bit further and it just for me goes back to the the hesitation to bet and we need more of that, especially because I feel like it's a good bet. It's really working out for her. a it's lot of things. It's a great bet. <laughs> That's what's the crazy part, of, you know. So it's interesting because we say embed on women, invest on women. But there's also another aspect of any woman starting a business or any woman in any business aspect. You know, there are other things that women have to look out for. For people that don't know the backstory, um, one of the players of the North Carolina Courage, 
came out in the athletic and basically told it all. You know, Paul Riley, coach of the Courage, was accused by two players of sexual coercion and has since been fired. On top of the coach being fired, the NWSL commissioner resigned. So, Haley, my question is, why do women have to continually overcome obstacles, sexual advancements, or whatever else is thrown at us on our way to excelling and getting to the top? I know that's a hard question, but I remember, like, we started this. It's like, how much time do we have, right? (laughs) Right, because we started this conversation on Take Line. It's like people don't realize all the things women have to overcome. You just told us that you had pretty much everything other startups that you've seen have, yet you couldn't advance. And that was just because it was people didn't want to bet on women. But in every sense of the form, women are going through obstacle courses. I know, I know. And, you know, we talked about this on Take Line and it's like, but what I was saying then, and I believe it now too, is like, it's not, it wasn't just, this is not something unique to the NWSL. It's not even unique to women's sports. It's, it's, nope. It's not even equal to society in general. Yeah, there's just a lot of BS and it's exhausting. And, you know, we see this all the time, even with like emails, like how women use exclamation points. And it's like, women don't use exclamation points. It's like, well, if I am actually just straightforward, (laughs) usually I get sass coming back, you know? like, And you said this too. Like, Renee, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this when you were like, you know, we all have like, weird things we deal with. Like you said, like, you know, you kind of like brush it off here, you brush it off there. Like, I don't know why it's been made. Okay. I don't know why it's just part of our society and it's part of sports and it's part of work and it's part of everything we do. But I do know, like, I'm pretty done with it. And I can tell you like with women, just women's sports, like that, you know, we're about sports, right? That's the goal. That's what we want to cover. But there's definitely like part of this is I really believe if we can get more, you know, girls playing and staying in sports and women playing sports at the highest level. Like we know that sports are good for people and especially girls and it leads to self-esteem and they're more likely to go to college and start companies. Like I want more badass women. I want more women in leadership positions. <laughs> Let's so this go. stuff doesn't happen because it's bullshit. I don't know if we can say that on this podcast. <laughs> you can, you can, because it is. We're real, it's real, I love it. <laughs> the way you said something made me, it was intriguing because you talked about like people don't want to bet on it, but there's not a lack of interest in women's sports. There's just a lack of coverage. And I think people failed to realize those two things. And I saw you had a take, and Serena's really going to like this. You had a take about why people should look at the Kardashians in regards to women's sports <laughs> going to the moon, baby. Tell why? us why she got to call me out like that, though. <laughs> Tell us why, Haley. And we got to have more respect for the Kardashians. I'm just going to leave it right. Listen, as an Armenian person, I love the Kardashians. But but really, like, okay, listen, this is what I was saying about them. And I actually really feel this is Kim and that family. They were early to Kim. Like we're on a first name basis. Um, (laughs) um, They were early to social media, right? They were the first influencers. And then they were early to saying, hey, I have a big following. I don't need to rep brands. I'm going to make my own stuff. Like they have been first movers in so many different categories. And now Kim through skims is doing collaborations with female athletes. All right. So if that's all I need to know, then one of those female athletes was Asia Wilson was one of the influencers for skims during the Olympics. Right. And just women's sports just so happens to sponsor a podcast 
Tea with A and Fee, which is a podcast hosted by WNBA MVP Asia Wilson, oh, Rookie of dope. the Year, Nafisha Collier. And one of the things that all the guests on your show do, including myself when I went on there, it was lit, was spill some tea. So I'm about to flip it, okay? <laughs> I'm about to flip that thing. And I'm going to ask you a question. What's the hottest tea you got for me right now? I'm going to ask you what they ask everyone else. What's the hottest tea you got? That you can share. <laughs> What type of tea did you spill? <laughs> um, I, I Look, we to, all want to know that. I'm sitting here waiting, too. <laughs> I think this question backfired on Renee. When I went on tea with a and Fee, I addressed that people, there was turmoil, there was things happening with the Atlanta Dream, and I addressed that. I said that, you know, in sports, it's like a family, and so when people argue, when people fight, you're a family, so you get over it. The only problem is when the media finds out about it, they blow it up into this big, huge thing, but I've seen athletes fight at practice, and then we go on to win a big game the next day like I've seen that before but when the media gets involved it makes it different narratives and it makes it bigger so the tea I spilled was that we good over here baby and Asia Wilson <laughs> translate, translated that to mind y'all's business and get out the way or something of like that so, so I'm just curious what's some tea over there and it could even be women's sports tea that people don't necessarily know about the industry why bet on women why invest on women but give me a little something something Haley, because oh to, we're doing a little <laughs> oh to tea with a and fee i am not trying to hold out on you i can't really think of anything we, I mean, we've been <laughs> spilling tea like we I, have been spilling a lot of tea so i guess I'm going to do what Asia Wilson did for me, and I'm going to translate to Haley. She spilled a lot of tea talking about these investors that say they want to invest, and they want to invest in women in the seed rounds. And she had every single thing that she needed, was far along the way, had a group together, had everything together, and people were still passing up on women. So the tea that we're going to spill for you is that do better. Y'all do, like do, <laughs> do better. Do better. Pay attention and do better. When you know better, do better. If you know better. better, you do, do better. Better. Okay. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. That is a okay, really good so, summary. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying because like you saw a problem and you went about fixing it while creating your own legacy. And we talk about that a lot here because we were into generational things. You know, a lot of people think about the right now. We're trying to build something for the generation. Um, and you built one that gives women athletes the media attention it deserves. So I'm just curious, you know, I believe that the bigger the table you create, the more people can sit at that table. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on generational wealth and what you're creating over there at Just Women's Sports. I, I love what you just said, like bigger the table. Um, listen, for me, when I was starting Just Women's Sports, I felt like there was all this opportunity. And But where do you start, right? These athletes can be as talented and big as they can. But if the if the pond is small, they can be a big fish in a small pond, but it's still a small pond, right? The opportunities yep. are capped. And so for me with media attention, that drives, you take the situation, the NWSL, like for me, it was <clears throat> continues to be really motivating of what we're doing, because if there's more media attention and there's more coverage, that shit doesn't happen, right? Because maybe you recognize coaches in the lobby. And if you see something weird, yep. you know who these people are, right? But then Absolutely. also it drives more dollars because there's, you know, broadcast deals are bigger and brand deals are bigger. So these teams in the front office can hire more people and there can be in-house counsel and everything like Hello, that. Hello, somebody. But so it's like, for me, it's like building the ecosystem is like 
I feel like for me, it's like almost my life's work because I want people, I want these athletes to grow up and ball out and make money and like be wealthy people that can then invest back in the space or invest in their families or invest in whatever they want to invest in. But if the media coverage isn't there, those opportunities are always going to be limited. We're never going to have someone as big as a LeBron James. So how do we create people like that in the space? And that's, that's really what we're about. We want these women really to make money. <laughs> Hello. That. I mean, I that's a big line. deal though. Love it. Cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Kate Fagan says something along the lines of what you said, where she said generational inheritance when it comes to women's sports, because how far are we advancing it for the next generation and then the next generation? Because the NBA started somewhere to that point. There wasn't a LeBron James at year 25 in the NBA, you know, and that's what we just celebrated in the WNBA. So just really quick, just to add to that, I'm screaming over here just because like I went to school for journalism and like you, I felt like I can create some kind of positive change because where the power is is in the media the media influences society so i'm just like everything you said i'm like over here screaming i'm like yes 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 because everything that renee and i work towards it has social justice at the core of it or some kind of mission behind it so everything that we do within the media or bringing visibility to women's sports or to women like you who are ceos you know that's all part of the work like i said i'm like over here screaming so thank you for your work for providing a platform for women's sports Haley, thank you so much for joining us i mean keep going let's collab love what you're doing everything all of it thank, thank you guys you. this was so fun thank, thank you for thank having you. me Okay, so we're gonna play a little game called this or that so you can get with this or you can get with that. And I like to hear people's thoughts because I don't know, I think that everyone has a personal preference. Like for me, don't call me, text me, okay? Don't call me, text me. If it could be a text, text me. If it can be an email, even better. Don't text me. So I'd like for you guys to tell me, would you rather be without heat or air conditioning? Mm. Man. Heat. I'd rather be without heat. <laughs> mm. I'd rather be what? without heat. You'd rather freeze to death? I, I have to no, think I about can learn one. how to get warm. I don't want to be hot. You can't get away from heat. <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, when it's hot outside, you have a way to escape. That's a different feel. <laughs> then when you're cold, you could put stuff on. You can get warm, but you can't get away from the heat. So, no, no. You can't get away from it. I don't want it. As a person who's lived without both throughout her lifetime, at some point when I was let out of the New York, I've lived without heat, I'm sure. And and in the Dominican Republic, there's no AC. So, it's hot as heck. So, I would yeah. much rather live in the Dominican Republic when there's no sea than be cold cold with no heat in new york that's the worst no way no way yeah man she Mm -hmm. would rather have to deal with that heat Mm -hmm. take it off snook a book (laughs) of what about you can you all make an educated guess here oh snook can't do without heat snook can't do without heat Mm -hmm. oh i'm about to say snook does not like the cold Mm -hmm. she actually stands Mm -hmm. in front of the heat every day (laughs) and air conditioning makes my old bones ache at this point in my life so (laughs) i don't like it All right, cool. So let's go on to the next this or that. Would you rather online shop or would you shop in person and make sure it fits? What are you feeling for me? I don't want to go nowhere. So if it involves leaving the house, I don't want to do it. Online shopping for me, sis. Mm -mm. 
No, I need to do it in person. <laughs> Same. These legs, this shape that my family blessed me with, it requires an in-person <laughs> shopping experience. Oh Same though. I cannot get into. I, I, mean, I, I love online shopping, but I like to try on my clothes because you know I'm I'm weird when it comes to sizes sometimes. Yeah, well, shoot me. I don't know. It's like I'm gonna get it and I'm gonna send it I'll back. See. Then if I got the wrong size, and I'm gonna get the next size with Snook. You. I, I would rather do in person. Oh, so everybody, all of y'all? I just like going. And, and I'm like, Nicole, you know, I'm tall and it's easy to get something and it looks nice. And then you get it and, and, and it's just too short. And then you have to send it back. Yeah. And I was just mad and fussing the other day. I had ordered something offline and, you know, they'll get you all free, this or that, this or that. And so uh, then when you return it, they take the shipping part off of it. So I lost $30 <laughs> oh. off of something that no, didn't that's fit that's, that's, that's actually back. a I fact actual, no that's fine 30 dollars no i way. mean that's ridiculous so <laughs> that makes me not want to order online i'll over. just tell you about myself there. wow <laughs> tell them why you mad snooker booker okay <laughs> this one might be a little you know you're a little bit hangry you're not yourself when you're mad and this one involves being hangry or nah this or that breakfast or no breakfast no breakfast easy for me no breakfast skip it don't need it nope i usually can eat two meals a day that's it the most important meal of the day <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was gonna say well, we know and look and, and nutritional facts and sports they tell us that is our most nutritional meal of the day it starts your metabolism it gets you going that's what they tell us. Nah. What you what you guys saying? I mean, I could do without breakfast, but I, I am the type that gets hangry. So I don't like being hungry. I, I like to eat breakfast. I, I don't when I'm hungry, I eat. Sam likes for me to eat breakfast too. Yes. Shoot me I don't like, like what people <laughs> I will open my eyes and just be awake to the new fresh day. And she'd be like, good morning, baby. What you want to I eat? Told Renee, like, that's my way of showing love. I like to yet. feed people. I'm like my mom. I'm like, what you want to eat? You know, like that's like me telling the person like, I love you. I want to take care of you. <laughs> I'm not even awake yet at that point. And, and sh so I already knew her answer before we started. Oh well, let me tell you, I by the time I figure out. I'm hungry or hangry it's already <laughs> lunchtime so I don't even know, know right? it's already so passed it's already day, though, gone it, the day then went right. and rolled on past breakfast all the way to lunch I'll look up it'll be like 1 30 I'm like oh like like now I haven't eaten I'll be like oh I'm look, I'm eating my breakfast, I, I breakfast right, right like now late, and it's this smoothie right here this I'm eating my breakfast right now I can do a smoothie in the morning but I think from sports I had to eat so heavy in the mornings because it had to last me through pre-workout which is weight training it had to last me through practice and then it had to last me through the cold tub or whatever else i needed to do i had to eat like food food in the morning so now i don't want to touch food in the morning i'm like give me a smoothie and let me keep it moving please but snook i mean you said it was the most important meal of the day so i know you're gonna get your fruits and veggies or your what are you eating <laughs> in the morning i don't know getting from the garden who you <laughs> Oh, I, I I haven't even eaten today yet. Paul says she needs her bacon. <laughs> she needs her bacon. Paul said you need your bacon because we know we get good snook when she got bacon. When she's my had bacon her bacon. My bacon and applesauce. My bacon and applesauce. <laughs> bacon and applesauce. But I haven't eaten today yet. So I'm, I haven't as yet to eat breakfast or lunch. See, I say that's what happens. The day runs on. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, whatever, whatever. Whether you like breakfast or no breakfast, whether you like to go shop online or not shop online or be hot or cold, I don't know. We're going to do a little this or that and continue the game another time.
Coming up next, we have Davida Roach, who is the founder and executive director of Dear Deandra, a nonprofit created to spread awareness of domestic violence amongst teens. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and you started Dear Deandra to spread awareness of domestic violence amongst teens. I just want like you to give everybody an understanding. Why is that important to you? It's very important to me because it is a cycle in my family. My mom was abused from domestic violence. And then my stepsister, Deandra, she was actually killed from domestic violence at the age of 18. And, you know, we didn't know about it. We didn't know that she was being abused. We saw our mothers because although she's my stepsister, my stepmom was getting abused by my dad. And... Unfortunately, my stepmom did not break that cycle. She's still with my father to this day. However, my dad is not abusive right now, but you know, it took for years of healing and then counseling and then to see Deandra be killed to realize that this is something very serious. And you know, you talk about it as your family, as someone close to you, that's tough. And domestic violence, it's a real problem. One in every 11 teen girls will experience domestic violence. 50% of the teens who experience abuse will commit suicide. 1.5 million high schoolers in the U.S. admit that they've been harmed in some type of romantically involved relationship. So are there signs that people can see? You said you didn't know that your sister was being abused, but are there signs that people can see like for their friends, families to kind of like maybe recognize what's going on? Definitely the physical ones, right? And then of course, whenever they make excuses for them not hanging out or not being able to come to certain things like canceling plans at the last minute, and then, of course, if they go anywhere, they have to bring their significant others. Like, it's non-negotiable. So those type of things are some red flags, especially with teens and dating domestic violence. And how do you navigate that space? You know, you talked about it's your family members, some of them. You know, you said your dad. And, and so how do you navigate that space knowing that? Like, how do you 
intervene? How do you talk about it with your family? Like, how do you engage in that? Definitely have those tough conversations, you know, like calling it out like, dad, I know that you did this. And now, you know, you see what we're up against. So having these difficult conversations that we typically don't have, especially with our parents, especially in our community. So that's where Dear Deandra does. It fills the gap and just shedding light on this serious matter and just breaking barriers. We're telling people who may not be affected right now so that way they can know ahead of time in case they see someone who's being victimized or if they happen to experience it themselves. So Dear Deandra hosts many events, mentors young girls about healthy relationships, safe dating, identifying toxic relationships and personal development. What has it been like along that journey? You know, most people, when something tragic happens, you could almost shut down and not want to do anything, not want to talk about the situation. Like, where do you find that strength from to talk about things that are so personal to you? God, really. Um, of course, it took years. She died in 2016. Um, and then within like three months, I became a law enforcement officer just so I can get involved in criminal justice because I was working at Victoria's Secret at the time. And I felt like my life had a different calling. And so it took until... 2018 for me to start this nonprofit. I had a plan. I just didn't know how to navigate. And starting a nonprofit is an ongoing journey. I actually have training on Friday. So that way I can train my board members to do what we're supposed to do and begin this mentorship program next year. So that's, I mean, beautiful. Like, you know, like I said, most people don't take action. And, you know, this is my sister sitting here right now, Nicole, that we talk about. And so is there is there something that like, you know, when we talk about these different signs and kid, like, is there signs of like a person that you're dating that you could kind of like flags that they should see when they're starting the dating process? Like a pattern that you've noticed that if you're starting to date somebody and they do this Kind of watch that because those are signs of an abuser or a potential abuser. Definitely love bombing, you know, telling them I love you like within the first couple of weeks or maybe even days. Trying to control what they wear, um, you know, like that's too short. You shouldn't be wearing that. Like because it progresses into like you shouldn't be doing that. If it starts with I can control what she wears, I can control what she does, who she hangs around with. Also, um, men who want to isolate, like take them away from their family or from their friends. Like, I don't want you to hang out with them, like, and try to bash their friends. Like, you know what? I don't like the way she she looks. I don't think you should hang out with her, that type of thing. And then, of course, always want to know where you're at. Like, where you at? Where you been? If you miss their call one time and they call you multiple times and text you, like, threats, that's a serious red flag. Some girls think it's cute. No, it's not cute. Yeah, not at all. Mm -mm. Not at all. Okay, I get it. Because a lot of times you could be like, oh, it's cute. He He's liking me. He's feeling me. He's blowing me up, double texting. But that could work both ways. Now, we've talked a lot about Dear Deandra because that's, you know, a near and dear topic to you. But you're doing big business. You're doing business on other fronts as well. You know, you talked about you became correctional officer. What has that process been like? Oh, um, it was a journey. I was still grieving Deandra, right? I just knew when it happened, I had to do something. I had to make a change and I wanted to get involved in law enforcement but you know a lot of <laughs> correction officers like 
that's like the entry level position into this field. And I was able to start from the bottom, really. I was being ridiculed, like called B word, S word, like, you know, all the names in the book that you can think of because, you know, it's inmates. They have 12 hours to get on your nerves and try to intimidate you. Um, there were some things I was intimidated. I saw some things that I never thought I would see coming from working at Victoria's Secret, you know, being in the um, maximum security unit, Dylan Roof being in that unit, working with him, and then just interacting with the abusers, the men who were in there for domestic violence. That was a different type of experience. And I never, of course, I knew what I was getting into, but I didn't know until it happened. And I lasted a year. I don't know if I could have done a little longer, but I enrolled to get my master's degree in criminal justice. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, let's yes, go. Let's okay. Go. Let's yes. go. They, they weren't trying to work with my schedule. Um, they told me I had to be you know, working night shift and I had night classes. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to find something else to do. And that's when I took like a nine to five job and took a huge pay cut. And no, y'all, I don't think I talked about this, but even when I was working law enforcement after losing my sister, I happened to walk into a toxic relationship where I actually had to get a gun. I still have this gun to this day. He just did something that scared me one night. And um, I remember I was so scared. I just went to work. You know, the jail system, they're open 24 hours. And instead of me calling my mom at like 2 a.m., I just went to work. They're like, Roach, that's my last name. They're like, Roach, what are you doing here? You're here for overtime? I was like, yeah, I, you know, I just want to get some money. Not knowing wow. I was so scared to be at home because we were living together. Wow. So what is that like? You know, like you, you already are starting, dear Deandra. You already recognize it. You know the signs. You know what to look out for. And then now you're here in that situation. Like what like what was your thought process after that day? You, you had to go back home at a certain point. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. And I didn't start the nonprofit until I left the relationship, really. That kind of propelled me also. Of course, Deandra. But I had to have that strength, right? So that strength gave me what I needed to do to leave that relationship and start this nonprofit because I, I talked about how I lost my sister and he was like, I would never let, you know, I never do anything like that to you. You know, like he, he was just very manipulative. He wasn't physically abusive. He was mentally and emotionally and I was so scared that I thought I was going to get physical one night. You also have said a happy and healthy relationship is possible. All you need is one with yourself first. So can you talk about the healing process of, you know, you've seen what it looks like on one side, but, you know, you're helping people and you're healing yourself on the other side of it. Yeah. I forgot to mention that we actually worked at the jail together, me and this guy. Wow. People were like, oh, my gosh, I love seeing y'all together. And I didn't want them to know the truth. But... Leaving that, I had to really learn who I am and whose I am. And it really took me leaving out of my comfort zone. I went through a time with my mom. She sold our house. I was living with my mom right after I graduated with my master's degree. And I moved to Atlanta not having a plan. I moved on to sleeping on the couch at my cousin's house, still managing this nonprofit and looking for a job. And that's when I lost my job due to COVID, right? So 2019, Summer, I moved to Atlanta trying to figure things out. And then I actually had my fundraiser in October. I've had 70 people there. And I didn't even know um, anybody here. So that, well, there, I'm, I forget, I'm not in Atlanta, but I didn't know anybody. So that just showed that, okay, God, you, you're, you're showing me exactly what I need to do. I need to keep on doing it. And so March came around 2020 and I lost my job. And that's when I had to focus on 
you know, me, my core, those self-care activities. And that's when I started to just dive into, you know, lighting my candles, journaling, starting my day with affirmations, being intentional about, you know, my day. And even though, you know, we're, we're kind of out of the pandemic, not really, but, you know, I still practice those activities for my self-care because, you know, when the pandemic started, we can't go anywhere. We we're at home doing right. nothing. And that's when I started. So, Thank God for the pandemic, for what it did for my self-care. Of course, we lost so many people, but that was an eye-opener for me as well as my nonprofit. And now I have a successful board, and I'm just so excited about what we're going to be doing next year for this mentorship program. Oh, yeah. Well, let's hear it then. You don't threaten me with a good time, so you have a board (laughs) now. You know, you started started something, and starting a nonprofit is the exact same as starting a business. Like, it all has to function the same. You still have to have a business business aspect of whatever you do so you have a whole board now I'm actually even we're working to do that with my foundation so I know how big of an accomplishment that is so what are you and the board working on what's your mentorship program looking like coming down the pipe yes so the name of the program is called girl glow up you know because we're trying to get young girls to glow up and that starts with you know mentorship or self-care self-love dating identifying green flags and red flags of course we're gonna have defense tactics right and then of course domestic violence awareness and etiquette like some of the things that we typically don't learn let's we join a sorority or we like actually take classes something like that that's where girl glow up comes in and we're going to partner with some high schools to get it going i um talked to some students last year spellman and Georgia State University, but we want to get into like, you know, the high schools and whatnot. So I'm so excited. And my board members, they're amazing. We all met through, actually two of them met through social media. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. That's the a network. You're media. right. You're right. And one of them I met in person. One is an image consultant. So she's going to talk to young girls about how to dress accordingly, dress how you want to be addressed. Um, other one is a bank accountant. She's going to teach your girls, you know, financial literacy, how to build credit, because, you know, one of the main reasons why girls stay in these toxic relationships is because of that financial dependence financial yeah yeah. and then my other board member she's a life coach so we're gonna you know just utilize all their skills and just be a force yes absolutely i love it i love it you you talked about i love that thought process like you said one of the reasons why they might stay would be maybe financial problems so that's a good way to give back in that thought process can you talk a little bit about because i know that that's actually how we met was when you threw your um, foundation event in october i didn't get to attend i was so sad but um i wanted to and i was like oh my god you got to talk about this so can you talk a little bit more about that event yeah so it was called the Sunday Jazz Brunch. I partnered with another nonprofit and they're called Urban at Average and they work with teens in urban neighborhoods to just give them accesses to resources they typically don't have. So the brunch we had was at Maggiano's, my favorite restaurant. Okay. <laughs> uh, we had a saxophonist. He was amazing. When I said, oh my gosh, he, I, I hope you guys saw the videos. If not, I'll have to send it to you, but it was yes, a vibe. Yes. We had speakers, one woman, and this is how I know that we're making a change. One woman, when she was sharing her testimony on the microphone of how she dealt with domestic violence as a teen, one woman actually stood up and cried and left. You could hear her. like I guess because it, it was triggering to hear her testimony. 
and it hit her this young woman who was in the audience she had to go that's powerful when it yes people like that. yes yeah. and so that's what we want we want to show people the severity of it of course this is brunch it's cute and whatnot some people may just come to support me as an influencer but i wanted them to see the severity of domestic violence and of course we um honored a woman in the community her name is anita hawkins and she is a model and she also has a nonprofit for domestic violence and we honored her so you mentioned being an influencer so can you talk a little bit about how do you use that to market your your initiatives like how do you brand yourself as as an influencer and also as a ceo of this nonprofit? what kind of strategies do you use it's still a learning process i know my bio i put in there you know stop domestic violence i put the name of my nonprofit organization i put my title in there I have this new series called Women's Celebration Wednesdays where I go live every Wednesday and highlight women for what they're doing in the industry. I interview women who are, um, you know, in the domestic violence awareness industry who are making changes. And then, of course, I'm looking for brands who support domestic violence awareness. I, unfortunately, I didn't get to partner with any brands as far as collaborations because I was like so focused on this event. Events take a lot of effort. Yeah, that's no joke. Yeah, a lot of planning. An event is yes, no joke. Yes. Exactly. So. I love so I'm just you got a lot going on in a good way I mean in the best way possible you got events coming up you have a mentorship program coming up what's next for Davida though what's, what's next um what I want to do is partner with Amazon and you know see what we can do as far as domestic violence awareness but my goal is to really just continue growing as an influencer continue growing as a, a executive director of Dear Deandra partnering with multiple schools right now we can only partner with one but we're looking to grow have more volunteers and support us and of course sponsors so that way we can get the proper training that we need and get the marketing that we want because we really I would really want to have um, a huge social media campaign and partner with teen influencers to talk about domestic violence awareness. Love that. Well, you have our support. Yes, you do. have our support. Yes, it's beautiful Absolutely. that you created a whole nonprofit organization to spread awareness so that no families have to go through what you went through. Davida, thank you so much for joining us here on Montgomery and Company. Yes. Thank and you so much, good Davida. Work. God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you. You know, we're living in interesting times with a pandemic and we're coming out of a pandemic. I'm trying to speak it into existence, but we're in a pandemic and we're entering into a war. And when I think about a war, I think about how it divides us. But when I was watching the State of the Union, there was one moment where everyone stood up and cheered together. And that was a moment of unity that I don't think that we felt in the past couple of years. And during this war, I'm also thinking about the WNBA players playing overseas. A John Quill Jones tweeted, just landed in Turkey and all I want to do is cry. That situation was way more stressful than I realized. Thank you, God, for always watching over and protecting me. And in situations like this, it just makes me think about the song, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. I want to leave a quote with, War is not the answer, only love can conquer hate. Let's all hold on to that. I'll see y'all next week with Boko. It's a generational thing. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.